Well, speaking of encouragement, uh, it's my absolute privilege to introduce one of the most encouraging people I know, Paul Norris, ladies and gentlemen. He is just such an encouragement, and I think his word is going to encourage us as a church. And I think he has a prophetic gift for encouragement, but also for mission. And so I believe he's going to bring both of those things as he shares with us, continuing our series in the book of James. So, Paul, over to you in your conservatory uh, this morning. We're really looking forward to hearing from you. Bless you, mate. Lead us into the word of God. Thank you. Thanks, Rob. Um, Hi, Jubilee. Yeah, I've moved to the conservatory today because it is so much brighter and uh, it means it means you can see me better. So I don't know. You can judge whether that's a good thing or not. Um, But here we go. Uh, So we're carrying on with the series of James. And uh, I'm really, really looking forward to this. Um, In the Bible, we have a, when the translators put that together, they put little headings above the passage. Now, I'm going to hold this up. I don't know whether you can see that, but you can see these little dark headings here. And um, they're not scripture. They're not the words of scripture, but they're a useful summary of the passage that you're about to read. Now, the one for this one, for the passage I'm about to read today, says patience in suffering. And I know all about that, because as you might see, I don't know whether you can see here my T-shirt, my new T-shirt. As a Liverpool fan, I know all about having to be patient. It's been 30 years, 30 long. And yes, I do remember them winning the title 30 years ago. It's been 30 long years of suffering and angst before they've won the title again. Now, at this point, some of you will identify in my suffering, but others of you will now be suffering because I'm talking about football. So I will stop talking about football. Um, but do you know what? That was my little bit of uh, patience in suffering but now I can bask in the glow of success it's fantastic now I think and you might agree with me here that when the translators of this bible put that heading in they probably weren't thinking about the premier league title and it may come as a shock to you but James when he wrote this letter he too wasn't thinking about the premier league title I think you probably got that already, but he wasn't. So what was he talking about? Well, that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at what was James talking about in this passage. Now, last week, Rob spoke to us from the beginning of this chapter, chapter five in James. We're going to be looking at chapter five, verses seven to 12. We're not going to do every single verse because I don't have the time, unfortunately, Um, but there's lots in here. But we will hit on a few things that I think are really, really important to us specifically at this time. Do you know an accusation that's often levelled at Christians is uh, around the Bible is its relevance. I tell you what, as you read this, you will see there is so much relevance to this very day, this very time that we're in, because this is incredible stuff. And I hope to be able to open some of this out to you today. So last week, Rob spoke to us from the beginning of James chapter five, and it was a warning for the rich, big business, 
people exploiting and extorting their way to profit, treating people badly along the way. And that chapter, as Rob pointed out, or that part of the chapter, as Rob pointed out, was addressed to those who are not believers. But now in this part of the chapter, James turns his attention to the believer, to us. So let's read it together. This is James chapter 5, verses 7 to 12. And it says this, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You've heard of the steadfastness of of Job, of Job. I nearly said Rob there, but he's steadfast too, I'm sure. (laughs) I can see his face in the corner uh, of the screen. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be known so that you may not fall under condemnation. So what we've just read there is written in the light of what's already gone on in the chapter. We know this because James says, therefore, be patient, therefore, or in some translations, therefore, be patient. So what he's saying is because of what I've just told you, you are going to need to be patient because of the exploitation of big business, of the landowners, of the wealthy, because of your suffering or in the light of your suffering, you need to be patient. Now, this is written in the light of what goes on before in that chapter, but I think for most of us, we're not suffering in the way that James is perhaps speaking about here. Most of us are not being exploited Most of us are not um, in slavery um, or being trafficked, as as we looked at last week. But many of us do suffer. And actually, we can apply this in the in the light of our suffering and, and our struggles and our problems. We can broaden it out from there because it doesn't just apply to that one thing. So actually, this is relevant for us today. Because we do face hardship. We do face suffering. It may not be the same as many people. And we may look at our suffering and sometimes feel guilty that, why am I complaining about this, given what other people are going through? But actually, it's still relevant. God still cares about what you're going through. It doesn't matter whether you're going through something that other people would find easy. What matters is if you're finding it hard, you're suffering. This applies to you. And it fits perfectly for our times, perfectly for our times, because many, many are struggling now with what is going on. 
with the, the pandemic, with lockdown. Do you know, when, when it first started, one of the comments Pam made to me was, how can you treat this so easily? How come it's not affecting you like it's affecting many people? But actually, the truth is, as it's gone on, I've felt the effects of it. I think we all have felt the effects of this in ways we can't even explain. In re- for reasons we don't even understand a lot of the time. But we're suffering. For many, it could be your employment. It could be that your, your job is at risk. It could be that you're having to work harder in different circumstances. There are all sorts of reasons. But many of us need that patience in suffering. So we'll look at that. We're going to look about being patient in a time of trouble. So we're going to focus on what James is teaching us in patience. You know, someone once said, and I don't know who, but someone once said, God's way of answering the Christian's prayer for patience is to put them into the furnace of affliction. Do you know what? Praying for patience is a dangerous thing. Because patience, the only way to learn patience is by going through something that causes us to have to learn patience. It's a very practical thing. You can't learn patience in any other way than being made to be patient. But actually, James isn't saying pray for patience here when suffering comes on you. He's saying be patient. It just says do it. Be patient. But what does that mean? Well, being patient means not reacting, not jumping in when things look like they're going against you, not wildly responding and reacting. The advice here, the instruction here is to wait and be patient. Now, we have to be careful here because what patient doesn't mean is not standing against things that are wrong. So actually, last week we learned that for those who are suffering under slavery and being trafficked, we need to not just stand back and go, well, I'm being patient, so I'm not doing anything. Actually, what we need to do is I am going to stand against injustice. I'm going to do that. I am going to respond, but I'm going to do it patiently. It doesn't mean letting everything go that's evil or oppressive, because that wouldn't fit in with the rest of Scripture. That's not what James is saying here. So we do need to act. What it means to be patient is to carry on being faithful in the face of suffering. It's carrying on being faithful in the face of suffering. Don't give up. Don't lash out. Don't think that because you're suffering that God is not with you. He is with you in the midst of it. We've sung today, he is our way maker. He's in it. He's going ahead of us. He's right there. So don't give up. Don't lash out. And don't think that God's not with you because he is. We do stand up against injustice. But we don't do it just to hit back and we don't do it to take revenge. We do it as God moves us into the right place to do it. You see, what James is saying here is that God's timing is key. 
being patient is often waiting for God to move. And we then go with him. God goes before us. He's the way maker. He makes a way for us. So what we do is we're patient, we're faithful, and then we follow him as he makes a way. And James uses an illustration of a farmer waiting for the rains. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never been a Middle Eastern farmer. I'm guessing and most of you haven't either. So we probably missed the full impact of this illustration, but let's try. Let's try and get it. So the farmers in that region, they plant their seeds. Okay, got that. I've done that before. But I tend to have done it because I want to grow some vegetables and it's quite a nice thing to do. I don't do it because I'm utterly reliant on those, because if my crop failed in my garden, I don't have a crop in my garden now, but I used to years ago. I just go to the supermarket and buy some vegetables. They don't get that option. They plant the food and they wait for the harvest because their lives depended on the harvest. They plant them and wait for the rains, as it says in the passage. Now, there were two lots of rains. I don't just know this. I've looked this up. They had the early rains, which were in a six week period between October or in October and November. And then there'd be the latter rains. And there'd be another six week period in April and May. During the first rains, the seeds would germinate. So they'd start to sprout and they'd start to grow. And then they'd begin to grow. And then the second rains would come. And after the second rains, the crop would be ready for harvest. Now, everything depended on the coming of the rains, especially the second rains. Food would be running out as they approached the second rains. They'd often be rationing because they'd only got what they got until they'd got the new harvest. There'd be a significant amount of anxiety and potential hunger. And if the rains failed, the family, the farmer and his family could starve. And I don't know about you, but when a member of the family is going through a tough time and is anxious about something, it gets communicated even non-verbally to the rest of the family. There'd be stress, there'd be anxiety, and their lives now depended on the coming rain. They could not live without that second rain coming. How many of us are feeling like that at the moment? How many of us are just waiting because there's just that sense of anxiety, that sense of struggle, that sense of difficulty that you're then communicating to those around you? I know I'm like that at the moment. I am going through a hard time at work. It's tough. It's horrible. It's testing my patience to the very limit. And sometimes it feels like it's beyond my limit. Struggling with the pressure and the stress as we have to let staff go and on all that kind. It's, it's horrible. And I know that that then has an effect on my family. I know that I'm not always communicating the right things as I am not very patient in that struggle and that suffering. But that's the reality for us. That's the reality for many people. You know, often as we talk about suffering as Christians, we think about being persecuted for our faith. And that is a genuine thing for many people. 
Most of us aren't going through that right now, but that doesn't mean we're not suffering. It doesn't mean that we're not facing hard times, just like anybody else. For you, you may be suffering because of the economic crisis that's been caused by the pandemic. You may not even have a job to feel stressed about right now, and that is the thing that's giving you stress. For some, it's your mental health that's taking a hit because of worry and fear. For some of you, it's as simple as, but this isn't trivial, it's as simple as not being able to hug family members or your grandchildren. You know, a survey done by Relate, the Relationship Counselling Service, was being reported on this week on the BBC website. And that survey said in April, it found 29% of those questioned in Wales said lockdown was exerting extra pressure on their relationship. Around 20% of respondents, uh, particularly in Wales, this was, this was around, said they were having doubts about their future together. Of those questioned across the UK, 42% they were find, said they were finding their partner irritating and 30% said they were arguing more. The whole world is going through this. We are not immune from this, even though we have a faith and a, a God we can rely on. It still affects us. And it has an effect on those around us, as that survey shows. And as the farmer in our illustration in James, he was well aware. James, as he, as he wrote about that, in verse 9, he said, Do not grumble against one another, brothers. You know, he's aware that this has an effect on those around us. And what he means by this, he says, brothers here. He's not saying, don't grumble about your situation. He's not saying, don't grumble about what you're going through is saying don't grumble against one another because often what happens is as we go through a hard time it's our loved ones and our family that bear the brunt of it those are the ones we tend to communicate the wrong things to and he's saying that this can happen and this will happen that there's the danger that we grumble against one another and we take it out on one another there's a need for us in this time to stand together a need for unity a need to be deliberate about unity. We are at the moment like the farmer, waiting for rain, waiting for that release of the pressure, wanting to know that everything's going to be okay. But how do we do it? How do we exercise patience in the face of suffering? whether it is persecution or whether it's the circumstances that you're in, how do we last? How do we not give up? How do we wait for God's timing? Well, you'll be pleased to know, James tells us, he doesn't just leave us hanging going, it's like the farmer and there you go. No, he tells us. We are so fortunate to have God's word. Now, I have to say, this is the hardest part for me to talk about. It was the hardest part for me to write because I'm not, I have to confess, doing very well at the how do we do it bit. So we're going to have to learn this together this morning. You know, I'm not telling you this because I've got it sorted. I'm telling you this because I need to know it. It's incredible. The things you end up spending time preparing a sermon for are often the things that you need to hear most yourself. 
I think my family want me to preach about something to do with abundance next because of joy and things going well, because then we can walk through that together. Um, but actually, this is where we are. This is what we're doing right now. So let's learn this together, shall we? Let's look at the words in the Bible, because the words of the Bible are the words of the living God. They're the words of our creator. And he knows what's best for us because he designed us, he built us, he made us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. So when we look to the Bible and it gives us a solution, that's the solution we need. We don't need another solution. We need God's solution. So what does James say? Well, in verse seven, he says this, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Now, at first you might say, well, that's not very encouraging. I've got to be patient for all that time. Well, yes. But then in verse eight, he says this, you also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. What James is encouraging us to do here is to change our perspective, to lift our view. You see, my observation of people and myself is that we focus on the problem rather than the solution. And I guess it's only natural because the problem is the thing that's impacting us. But James is is teaching us to take the long view and the upward view. Now, you may have seen me do this before, but if you take one hand and you put it in front of your eyes like this, and as I do that, I can't see my notes, so I have no idea what comes next. But if you do that and you put your hand in front of yourself like this, guess what? The whole world disappears. My hand is suddenly bigger than the universe because I can see nothing else. If you do that, you can't see anything else at all. That's because it's right in front of your eyes. Your hand isn't bigger than the whole world. Because as you move your hand away and you focus on something else, suddenly it looks a lot smaller. You know, we need to move that problem. So we focus on Jesus. We look to him. We focus on him. And as we focus on him, our problems look smaller. This is what I have been having to learn this week. I've done it before. I've even used that illustration before many times. And yet I have to learn it again and again and again. I have to be deliberate about it to say, no, I will not look at the circumstances, but I will look to Jesus. I will focus on him. I will lift my gaze so that that problem starts to shrink down to its appropriate size. That's not to ignore that there's a problem. That's not to ignore the suffering. It's not to say it's irrelevant, but it needs to be held in its appropriate size. We need to look at the hugeness of God and the smallness of our situation. That's the right perspective. I'm not saying it's easy. When you're right in the middle of something, and as I was doing this week, going right over the edge and having a right old whinge about it, it's very difficult at that point to stop yourselves. But there we need to be patient and say, what's God's perspective on this? What's God's timing in this? That's when we need to move our hand out and go, oh, yeah, there's a big, wide world out there, not just this problem. 
and God is in control of all of it. But James is even more specific than that because he says our hope is in Christ's return when he will put everything right. The farmer was waiting for the rains. We are waiting for the return of Jesus. It's not a passive waiting. There are still things to be done. There are still things that God wants us to do. But actually, our troubles are light and momentary in the face of the return of Jesus. It might not feel like it when you're in them. But as we get our perspective right, then they are. Let me read this to you. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 and 18. It says this, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen, they're transient, they're passing away. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Isn't that one of the most beautiful things you could ever read or ever hear? That is like water. I read that this week and it was like it was like a glass of water on a hot and thirsty day. If you're dying of thirst, that is the kind of thing you need. If you're desperate for a perspective, that is what you need. That will bring life to your soul. Those are the words of our God to us. It's not always simple to do. But the truth is that we look to the author and perfecter of our faith. We sang earlier that there is a power in the name of Jesus, a power that can empty out the grave, a power that conquered death. So there's a power that can conquer your circumstances, that can conquer your suffering. I'm going to draw this to a close now because I think that is what we need to know, isn't it? That is what we need to hear. That as we're patient in our suffering, as we lift our gaze, as we look to the coming of Jesus, as we focus on Jesus, then our our pressure and the strain starts to lift. And like You know, the the, the illustration of the farmer, he couldn't guarantee the coming of those second rains. But I can guarantee you, it's not me, actually, God guarantees it, not me. I know why I'm saying I guarantee it. God guarantees it, but I believe it. He guarantees that this is a light and momentary affliction. He guarantees that he will return. He guarantees that he will give you relief from your suffering if you focus on him. He will do that. There's so much more I could say. I mean, I haven't even got on to the fact that it talks about the prophets. It talks about Job. It talks about those who remain steadfast. I encourage you, look at this passage some more because there is so much encouragement in there. 
But let me finish with three things to help us remember this main point about being patient in these times. At the very end, in verse 12, it talks about our yes being yes and our no being no. Do you know, we, you know what? We need to be authentic and honest with one another in this. I haven't really addressed this today, but we need one another. Even though we can't be with one another, we can still be with one another, if that makes sense. We can still encourage one another. We can still speak to one another. So let's find ways to support one another and be honest with each other in what we're struggling with and where we're suffering. That's one thing. The second thing, focus on Jesus for the long view. We've talked about it. So easy to get distracted, but this is essential. Our focus is Jesus now and for all eternity. We focus on him for the big, long view. That's what we do. And thirdly, be open to the Holy Spirit. Patience is, after all, a fruit of the Spirit. I know some of you will have been thinking, why hasn't he said that yet? There you go, I've said it now. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to help this grow in us, and he will help us. Be open to him. Make time. This is something I'm learning this week. As this, I've been learning recently as well, again, and learning again, and learning again, is to make time in your day to quieten your soul and let him in. In the noise of the busyness of this world, we need to be deliberate about letting letting him in, letting the Holy Spirit in and saying, just taking time with you, Holy Spirit, teach me patience, help me be patient in this suffering. So we need to be honest and authentic. We need to focus on Jesus for the long view and we need to be open to the Holy Spirit who will bring patience to us and will enable us to be patient through suffering, will enable us to endure will enable us to keep going and he will be there for you. Whatever you're going through, he will be there for you. I'm going to finish there. I'll hand back to Rob and Alison who will um, finish things off for us. Thank you for listening. That was such an excellent word. Superb. So excellent. I'm just struck by that picture again of the hand in front of your face. I think that's such a powerful picture. Uh, Let's just do a prophetic action together as we come to a close. And let's just put your hand over your eyes like that and just say, Father, I want to give you whatever is absorbing my gaze right now. Mm -hmm. And I look to you. Lord, will you show me where you are and what Mm -hmm. you're doing in this time? And Father, we ask you Mm -hmm. for the rain. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago I shared with you a prophetic word? Mm about my grass growing. If I could show you the grass, it actually needs cutting now because it's rained consistently ever since. So, Lord, we ask you for the rain. And, Father, we ask you for the summer and the latter rains in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.